Welcome back to the Autoblog Podcast. I'm Greg Migliori. Joining me today is Associate Editor Byron Hurd. What's going on, man? Hey, not a lot. Looking forward to uh, maybe some snowflakes, maybe some uh, some pretty weather to go with this freezing cold we've had. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. You've got some. Uh, you've got a couple of Jeeps actually. Uh, that uh, one specifically is still in your driveway or somewhere on your uh, at your house that will be good for the snow. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more later. We'll also talk about the 392 Wrangler that you drove. I have never driven a V8 Wrangler, so I'm excited to hear what you think. I've driven almost every kind of Wrangler, the hybrid, the turbo, the diesel, the old, you know, V6, the, the four liter, you know, I like all those engines over the years. It, I know you have too, but I've never driven a V8 Wrangler. So, um, interested to hear what you take, what you think. You also spent some time in the Corvette, which yeah. it's interesting to me to talk about the Corvette because it was such just the biggest deal in the world for like that time period when it launched. And then it's just kind of fallen back. It's like you see them on the road and not in a bad way. It's just become, it's become endemic, if you will, to use yeah. a word. Uh, like the new Corvette is here. It's mid-engine. It's been here a couple of years. And we're just talking about it. Like you had a Hyundai Sonata in your driveway last week or something. <laughs> so should be fun. We'll run through some news. Card truck of the year. Winners are out. That's Nactoy, as you might know it. Car, truck, and utility, of course. Um, we'll break those down. Uh, then we've got some fun news pieces. Uh, Mitsubishi unveiled a Rallyert concept. Uh, three of them, actually. But one was called the Vision Rallyert um, this month. And we're going to try and break down what we think that means. And then, Byron, you just think that Cadillac should do uh, a truck version of the Escalade, apparently. Because why not? Uh, and you'd want it to be electric. So that should be fun. Yeah, that was a, an interesting little thing that was actually prompted by, well, I'm now a Cadillac owner, and so now I get Cadillac owner surveys. And uh, maybe this is a little bit of insight until they figure out that I'm a journalist and stop sending them to me. <laughs> We've had some fun with this. Uh, we were talking about how this was an episode of The West Wing, where, uh, what did they, they sent like one of those Gallup polls to somebody, and they're like, how do they find out? And I think the press secretary, CJ Craig, if you're a West Wing fan, was like, uh, yeah, they called a journalist. And they were like, are you kidding me? What yeah, are the of, odds of that? Of all so, the luck. Of all the luck, yeah. Um, and I believe it was when President Bartlett may have been hiding his illness or something. Uh, maybe I'm off on that. Maybe? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, there's, there's, it, there's always shenanigans on that show. There were some other plot lines. But anyways, so that's, uh, that's the news section. We will. We have an update on spending um, someone else's money from the last, uh, from just from the last episode. So, uh, should be fun. So let's. That's the rundown. Stick around. We got a great show. Let's get right into it. Okay, the winners are in for Nactoy. That's North American Car Truck and Utility of the Year. Uh, this is one of the longest running, oldest, prestigious uh, awards. It's essentially the car truck and SUV of the year. Uh, winners: Honda Civic for car. Maverick for the truck, the Ford Maverick, and the Ford Bronco for Utility Vehicle of the Year. This is the second straight year that Ford has taken two of the three categories. So it's, you know, it's been a glittering year of hardware for the last couple of years for Ford. Uh, full disclosure here, I am on the jury. It's great fun to vote. Um, you know, it's really an interesting process to get to go to the um, sort of the group test every year that they have in the fall. This is my first year. I really enjoyed it. Um, but then just quickly to kind of break down some of the winners here. Um, these, these vehicles, I think, were interesting, like in many respects, 
the Bronco to me, it's just like, hey, the Bronco's back. You know, that was very exciting play. It finally gets into a segment where the Wrangler was left alone, essentially, for so many years. You talk about the forerunner. Defender is back now. Um, but I mean, the Bronco was just like, I mean, it was the biggest single, I think, almost enthusiast reveal when it came out. It just really blew up our site. People were so excited about it. Honda Civic, there's so many different versions of it. Like to me, Honda really paid attention to just the scope uh, and the strength of what the Honda Civic can mean to its customers. They invested in the car. Um, you might remember maybe 10 years ago, right at the start of the, like, the economic downturn, the Civic went through this kind of series where it was almost like, it was very like um, budget-based. And you could tell that in the interior. This time, like this is a real legit Civic. It's right up there um, in the segment. Uh, it looks good. Um, I, I drove several versions of it. You can still get a manual. That's a great thing. So, I mean, to me, that was like, there was a lot of things in the field too. You know, everything from like the S-Class to Lucid, lots of cool things. The Black Wings were in there, I know. I think I know where you would land there, Byron, uh, as far as what you like. But, um, you know, all sorts of different things. And then the, the Civic gets in there and wins it, which is, which is cool. Maverick is, I would say, another one of my uh, favorite vehicles that I have driven this year. It just was really, it's such an interesting truck. You know, they put so much into it. Ford put so much into it to make it a compelling product at a very affordable price, you know, and there will be a hybrid and it just does so many different things well from the utility to the way you can customize the utility to even the interior, um, a lot of kind of Easter eggs. They made, I would say, inexpensive materials look good in there. So to me, I think a lot of that really resonated and, you know, just another, another double, uh, double winning year for Ford. Um, so, I mean, that's card truck of the year winners. Um, what did you think, Byron? Any surprises when you saw the winners? I was I was a little surprised by the Civic, honestly. Like I I haven't experienced it, so in my opinion, it doesn't count for a whole lot. But it just seemed a little uh, I don't know obvious. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Just like oh yeah, the Civic is good. Um, but then I looked back at the finalists. I was actually just pulling those up while you were talking about it, and you know, based on what the other options were, I mean, I get it. It makes sense. And I, I looking at. You know, Bronco almost seemed like a gimme pretty much from the beginning, but I feel really the same way about Maverick, and I haven't had a chance to drive a Maverick yet. I did get to crawl all over it at that preview event I went to uh, right before the launch, and so I, I get what you're saying about the interior execution, and and those trucks were were very much like pre-production prototypes. You know, the, the the parts on them weren't all necessarily completely on, you know, but even then, in that kind of early build state. I was impressed by how they managed to make cheap work. And um, I think actually for myself, a Maverick might be on my short list as the next vehicle right there with a hypothetical Gladiator 4xE, which still hasn't, you know, officially been made official. But the, the only thing holding me back on the Maverick right now is the lack of all-wheel drive at the hybrid. So, and I'm and it's one of those things that just feels so inevitable. Like there's, there's just no way that they're going to continue to sell a pickup that isn't offered with you know, four driven wheels. It's, I mean, yeah, you can get it with the turbo, but you know, with, with the hybrid being kind of like the flagship, if you will, of that car, like, you know, the thing that actually makes it different, um, leaving that on the table doesn't seem like an option for very long. So I think I'm they're going to expand that 
the Maverick line, if you will. I think we're going to see some tweaks in the next couple of years. And it's, um, you know, that's a very interesting segment. You know, I think if you had told me two years ago, hey, the small pickup segment is coming back. Like we all thought Ford was going to do this. They were going to replace, you know, the focus with this sort of entry level um, vehicle. And it's like, they're like, well, it's going to be a truck. Okay, sure. Good luck with that, right? You know, you guys already have the Ranger. You're going to make a small truck. But I mean, it shows you how execution can really make the difference in a product. You know, if you had a, just a, a true Econobox truck that had no character to it, you know, people would be like, okay, cool. You, they get laughed at. But they did a, I think they did it all around. Good, uh, good job with the Maverick. So check out our full coverage. It's on autoblog.com. Check out if you want to dig more into the results, even uh, the North American car, truck, and utility website of the year has some of that stuff too. Give that a plug. And let's shift gears over to an electric Cadillac truck. Speaking of trucks, you actually ran a poll. I voted in it, which I thought was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, give me the final tally. I think it was like, what, 56% favor of yes? Yeah, it was. It, it ended up being uh, right in that in that ballpark we had. Let's see, it was about a hundred and eighty votes. Yeah, hundred and eighty votes. Fifty five percent in favor of Cadillac building essentially a new EXT, but as an electric truck. Um, which is you know it's an interesting idea. It, you know, the the survey that actually came to me was asking you know about just a hypothetical luxury pickup. It, it was done through Cadillac. So the assumption there is that it's either going to be Escalade based or it's going to at least kind of capture that same kind of top end of a segment that it doesn't really otherwise play in type thing. And you look back to the EXT, it's kind of a natural progression off of the Silverado EV that we just saw, which borrows a lot of those avalanche cues like the buttressed rear box and all that. So you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, oh, okay, well, they, they're asking us these questions just days after they've shown off this new thing that looks just like the last luxury pickup they sold. Yeah, it's hard not to put two and two together. So it's an interesting idea. People are obviously at least somewhat interested in that. I was a little shocked, frankly, that the results were so positive, that the responses were so positive, I should say. I wasn't, uh, wasn't expecting people to be in favor of bigger and heavier and more electric trucks even with the Cadillac badge on it, but apparently it's uh, it's the people are the people are interested. What um, just to back up and give some context to this, maybe you, you want to explain what piqued your interest in this and why um, you think, hey, this is worth talking about. It's a very short opinion piece on our site here. Just give some people some context here. It's they actually Cadillac did a little bit of a survey here, um, and yeah, yeah, it was just a just a basic market research survey that they sent Copy. out. So. And it was because I, I, because I bought the Blackwing, so I'm on their, you know, customer mailing list for these kinds of things. I just got randomly selected. I assume randomly, either that or they really wanted me to do something like this and see how people responded to the idea. But uh, either way, it, yeah, it was. I mean, it was pitched as as a, a pickup truck with at least 300 miles of range and what they called quote like advanced technology, which I take to mean super cruise and all that kind of stuff. Um, Ten thousand pounds of towing capacity. And five passenger seating. So that sounds to me like a super cab pickup truck based on an Escalade that also happens to be electric. So it's an interesting idea. It's, you know, it's one of those where they were just like, hey, would you be interested on a scale of one to 10? And it, that was it. That was end of survey. No, uh, nothing more than that. And of course, 
GM right now with the Silverado EV is in a position to then create, you know, they have two pickup opportunities here. You can do another in the Sierra for GMC if you want to, even though they've already got the Hummer pickup. And then you've got this Cadillac opportunity kind of floating out there. So, I mean, they're making huge investments in these new electric platforms into Ultium, into getting all this stuff to work. And anything that they can use as an excuse to recoup some of the cost seems smart. And while the original Escalade EXT may not have been a hot seller, you know, the market's different now. Pickups are everything. And uh, it, it, it kind of feels to me like this is something that might actually be hinting at a potential future, future product. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, if you'd asked me to vote, they'd sent me the survey. I would have probably said seven, you know, sure, do it. I sort of like the idea of an electric Cadillac pickup truck. To me, that just makes a lot of sense. Uh, whereas if it, this was going to be like a more conventionally powered, you know, V6, V8, uh, diesel, I could probably get on board with. But, you know, that to me is just like another trim level or variant for the Escalade. You make it electric. Well, that's kind of cool, you know. And I think that's where, you know, I think there's a lot of electric truck buyers who, you know, might say, hey, well, wait a minute, a Cadillac. Okay, hang on here. This could be interesting. Um, so we'll see. I think um, I, the one thing about Cadillac, and they've said this all along, is you can charge more for it. You know, it was just like, you know, the Chevy Volt had to be very aggressive with its sticker price, but the Cadillac ELR, if you remember that, yep. am I getting the numbers right? I think it was yeah. the ELR. Um, you know, that one, they're like, hey, we can actually kind of maybe sort of make money on this one because we could just charge more for it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where you can just add 10 grand and boom, there you go. So now Chevy, Hummer, General Motors has a lot of expensive electric trucks. So, um, but maybe that's where the market's going. It sure looks like it. So uh, we'll see. Uh, drop us a, you know, a note, podcast at autoblog.com. Let us know what you think. Maybe uh, is your uh, Twitter poll still open there, Byron, or is it? Uh, you close no, it, it ran over the weekend, so that's no longer uh, going. But right. the uh, conversation that we set up using the comment system on the site is still open. So feel free to hop in Sounds there. good. Yeah, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think. Let's talk about the Mitsubishi Rallyert. Uh, that's a cool name. It's uh, Mitsubishi used it for years. I think, you know, had some Lancers and Gallants over the years. Um, you know, I remember like when I started get it, getting into this gig, I remember driving a few of those Rallyerts. They were pretty fun. You know, they looked cool. I mean, for the time, for what they were, it was not bad. You know, they were pretty fairly priced and, you know, you got a little bit of enthusiast cred. You know, maybe you're not rolling around in an Evo or something, but um hey it shows you know you you've got some sort of enthusiast like taste if you will uh we saw a couple couple few new ones at the tokyo uh, auto salon this month the one that i think kind of like is the conversation starter is the the vision one as they call it and that one is like there's all sorts of things going on with it um and it's based though on an outlander which would make the most sense for a future execution um Looks pretty wild. Obviously, check out the story on our site. Um, we'll see if this means they're going to maybe bring back some sort of a, uh, a rallier name or something for the U.S. Sometimes with Mitsubishi, it doesn't necessarily come to the U.S. first. They try it out in other markets, uh, you know, which makes sense. Um, but, you know, I thought it looked interesting. It looked solid. You know, there was a Eclipse Cross as well. Uh, they called them the rally art style. 
and then another Outlander Rallyer style. It's kind of hard to say, but those to me look more like things you could sell here um, versus this kind of concept that was sort of the headliner. Um, so, I mean, this one, I think they should do it. This is a good name. It had a lot of credibility um, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I would say, yeah, go for it. What do you think, Byron? Yeah, I'm with you. I honestly, it's got at least as much equity as, you know, Hyundai has with N and, you know, they're already playing around in sporty crossover space and stuff like that. So there's, there's certainly room for it. And, you know, especially if we're not going to do sedans, we got to do something fun. So it might as well be yeah. this. And uh, I actually do have fond memories of the, of the old rally arts too. Like the, even the outgoing one, um, that, that dual clutch automatic gearbox that they put in there yeah. is actually really, really good for its time. You think, you know, Volkswagen and kind of cornered the market for the cheaper end of that because it was they were really the only ones doing it. And then Mitsubishi came along with one that actually didn't suck, which was surprising because the next one yeah. we saw was Ford's cheap thing that went in the the Focus and Fiesta, which was a complete disaster on so many levels. But I think people kind of forget that Mitsubishi had a really good DCT there for a while that not too many people actually got to play with. So that I remember that DCT, it was really something. I remember the version of it in the Evo, and it was just like, you know, to quote Lightning McQueen, it was just like chow, chow, like <laughs> right through the gears. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Those paddles were really something. Um, you know, I remember driving the Evo back in 08 with all of that, uh, all of the Evo ness, if you will. And very cool car. I have, I actually was trying to remember the last time I drove a Rallyer, and I found an old Auto Week driver's notes from 2010 uh, where I drove the Mitsubishi Lancer Rallyer Sportback. In my head, it was like an Outlander or something, but it, it wasn't because I don't think that was even a thing back then. But it was this kind of crossover. And I, you know, it's like the Evo was sort of like my gateway into like all of the things that, you know, the performance things you could get with Mitsubishi. And I did drive the Evo on a track that year as well. So I was really on this kind of like um, path of awareness, if you will. Um, but yeah, that was a fun car. I remember specifically, I had it over like, I think Christmas. And no, it was Thanksgiving. It, just, it was the long holiday car. And it's funny how what, geez, 13 years later, 12 years later, whatever it is, that stuff like that sticks with you sometimes. And, yeah. you know, because it was such a different car at the time, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it stuck with me. And over a decade later, I'm saying bring it back. So, yeah. I actually had a, a pretty wild week with, uh, with a Lance, not a Sportback, just a regular four-door uh, rally art that yeah. drove me home in the middle of a spontaneous commute blizzard. It was on summer yeah. tires, but the, the all-wheel okay. drive got it done. And then that weekend, I actually took it to an autocross. So I got nice. both the, the winter all-wheel drive experience and then the performance all-wheel drive experience. And frankly, with a good set of snow tires on it, it would have been far more suited to the winter end of that because that turbo was not great for autocrossing, unfortunately. But the, the Evo was a much better car and did everything pretty well. What time period, roughly, do you think this was? Just guessing. Uh, I'm going to say it was uh, probably like November okay. of... Oh nine, okay, somewhere in that ballpark. Oh eight, oh nine, maybe. Yeah, Mitsubishi must have really been in the press cars at that point because that's the same time I drove this thing. I'm I'm laughing out loud here because it looks like uh, Auto Week put it online April eleventh, two thousand ten. Huh. I'm thinking to myself, that's a really long lead time. I remember driving that car when it was like uh, very cold out. So I'm thinking maybe it was more like uh, 
I don't know. It ran in the magazine first, and then the driver's mm. notes ran like later, whenever they were somebody uploaded them online or something. Different time, uh, that's for sure. But yeah, Evo was a great snow car. That used to happen all the time. We had a long termer, and you get stuck in a blizzard. You'd be like, oh, I got the Evo. Cool. Be fine. You know? So, all right. That's enough of our trips down memory lane. But yeah, bring back the rally art. That'd do a lot for uh, Mitsubishi. Even, you know, as an electric car that could, you know, add some sporting, you know, credibility to the EV segment. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about what you've been driving. Lead off with the Corvette. I feel like the Corvette is something we haven't really talked about a lot lately. Uh, what version did you have? What did you do with it? Uh, so I just had a, it was a 2LT. I think the sticker on it was about 84. Uh, give okay. Or take. And uh, so pretty loaded up. Not a, not all the way okay. to the top, but but pretty loaded up. It was in uh, kind of a greenish gray finish. I don't recall the name of it. It was very nice. Okay. Uh, so we got to take that one out and play around with it. It was cold and snowy last week just like it's looking like it's going to be cold and snowy for the rest of this week so it was not really ideal weather for it and unfortunately it was it originally was slated to come to us on actual winter tires but one of the winter tires was damaged so instead they put the all-season tires on it so it's still a better alternative than the pure dedicated summers that it came with but not quite full winter. So I was a little more cautious with when I took it out and what I did with it. Um, but finally, I uh, got a little time with it over the weekend and had a blast. It's That car is amazing to drive. And it's one of those things where you look at how much performance you can get for that, like, say, like $75,000 range where you, know, you can you get like you can get into a CT4V Blackwing. You can get the Corvette. You can get kind of touched to like, you know, like a, a low option bmw m3 or an audi rs you know like you can you can get a lot for that money and they are all very different especially if you factor in things like the high output pony cars like if you're talking a, a mustang gt500 or like a zl1 camaro you know like the, those are those are costly once you start adding options and they all approach performance so differently but the the corvette is just so beautifully surgical and it's really fun to drive and the Oddly, the the character of the engine doesn't even really seem to fit the car so much anymore. Like it, you know, the the it still feels like a big kind of slow V8, and while it doesn't perform like one, the character feels a little strange for such a modern interpretation of like you know the the iconic American sports car. So I I was blown away by the performance. It's it it handles beautifully. The you know they're the those <laughs> they're adaptive magnetic suspensions regardless of what they call them, whether it's MRC, Magna Ride, whatever. They're all fantastic. It's great in the Corvette. It actually makes it a car that you can almost like, it's a daily drivable car. You know, it's one of those things where you look at like the Acura NSX and the Audi R8 and you think of them as like the kind of ultimate daily drivable supercars because, you know, they're all wheel drive. They're relatively approachable cost wise. They're comfortable enough that you're not miserable all the time. The Corvette is almost there. The only thing missing from it is the all wheel drive. And, uh, you know, even like a pretty long highway stretch up 75, which is not the nicest highway surface in the world, wasn't bad. Like it, it wasn't fatiguing after a few hours behind the wheel and it, it felt really nice. And man, does it rip. And it sounds so good doing it. It's beautifully balanced, sounds great, handles great, moves beautifully. And even on the all season tires, it hooked up really nicely, even in the cold. So very impressed by that car. It's the first time I've really spent any time with it. You know, last time I literally just drove it around a parking lot, but I'm a, 
I'm a convert. I'm on. I'm on board. So you're going to trade in your uh, CT4 Blackwing and get a Corvette? Absolutely not. I, yeah. The other, the one, the the real conclusion that I I got from that was I'm glad I spent my money the way I did because mm. the, the the Cadillac does a lot more things than the Corvette can, but just doesn't do the go fast part quite as effectively. And you know that's the inherent compromise. Yeah, that's honestly that was the kind of. Uh, I mean, I think the Corvette's actually better value than the either of the black wings actually yeah but um because it's i mean it's basically an exotic uh, mid-engine sports car not basically it is with a ton of like horsepower to value ratio there's you know entry level move on up the spectrum you get a lot of car for uh you know the modern c8 if you will uh and frankly corvette's always been a pretty good value i think um you know yeah. they, they offer a lot of very attainable performance um that frankly can be very challenging to drive you know it's a car that um, if you're an enthusiast, the Corvette has always been there for you, you know? Yeah. So, um, cool. Uh, did you do anything crazy with it? Uh, I, I don't know if it snowed when you had it or this was more just kind of like a, a winter car. No, it was, uh, I, it, it did snow while I had it, but I did not take it out on the days it snowed just for, for fear of, uh, of disagreements between all season tires and actual snow cover. But um, I mean, the, the times we actually did get, get it out, it was still not any warmer than about 30 degrees in any place. We were in the shade out in the twistier roads out west of here. It was pretty icy and there was a lot of salt down on the roads. So, you know, it was it was squirrely. And even uh, I played with it in track mode a little bit on the street just to kind of get a feel for how quickly it would overwhelm the tires to have so much on the road. But it actually composed itself pretty nicely. And it it really took a some pretty hard acceleration and some some pretty good you know lateral forces out of corners to really get it upset. So it's it's just an amazing little car to drive. And I mean you know realistically with a set of genuine snow tires, you know it's the kind of car you could DD year round if you really needed to. I wouldn't want to. I mean it seems like a terrible thing to do a car like that, but you know you yeah. you could get away with it just like you can get away with it in a nine eleven. You know with the the rear engine advantages and a Boxster with the mid engine advantages. You can do it in a Corvette too. So I drove a C seven through a blizzard uh, actually on multiple occasions to go continue our uh, memoirs here. Apparently, uh, when I was at Automobile, we had a long term uh, Corvette and. Somehow, I, it's like the month of January. I ended up in it twice, which seems uh, fatalistic almost. But um, it was better than you would think in a snowstorm. You know, I mean, granted, I was borderline terrified, <laughs> to be honest. So better than you think is, you know, sort of, you know, setting the bar pretty low. But it was all right. You know, um, the big thing is, is you're low to the ground, you know, yeah. and that's always like, it doesn't matter what you're driving. If you're low to the ground in a snowstorm. You're gonna get a little nervous, but hey, I made it. In fact, I didn't even like, you know, change my plans that weekend. I went downtown, did a long, did a long commute. So, you know, nice. Props to Chevy. Yeah. So, you've driven a V8 Wrangler. I never have. I already went through all the different Wranglers that I've driven. Every single engine. Never driven a V8. Tell me about it. What did you do with it? So uh, I haven't done a whole lot with it yet. Um, I have had played with it a bit. I, this is for me kind of a, an opportunity to, to actually feel it out a little bit on the road because I've already driven a, this is my second time I'm bragging a little bit, uh, um, second time driving one of these. And I've, uh, this one is a 22 model. So it has the, uh, it's a 392 with the extreme recon package, which was introduced wow. midway through the 2021 model year. 
and continues for 2022. So it's not only a 392, but it's a 392 on 35s. So it is <laughs> quite a driveway presence, let me tell you. Um, so, but so far, I've actually only you know just really kind of petered around town with it a little bit. Um, the the one thing that really jumps out at you driving one of these in the winter is how loud they are, because especially with with that V8 cold start, you know, especially if you're parking it outside or in an you know unheated garage, that first bark, man, the neighbors are going to hear you a quarter mile away, no matter what setting you have the exhaust in. It's just a lot, and that you know the the, the composite body shell and roof in the in a Ford Wrangler becomes a kind of like a big reverb chamber when you have low frequency noises. So you feel that engine as much as you hear it. And it's, it's quite an experience. So, uh, it's, it's a, a very interesting toy and it's definitely the, you know, like apex Wrangler, you know, it's the, it's the Wrangler you buy to show everybody how much you love Wranglers. Um, I don't know. It's one that I'd want to live with. I think I it, personally, I'd rather have a four by E, but it is, it is quite a presence and, uh, it gets a lot of, uh, looks and thumbs up. So, uh, it's uh you should definitely sample one at your at your earliest opportunity. Interesting. Yeah, I um there's a couple I really like the Wrangler for starters. Uh but I've always been more of like like power in like chrome and like like just some of the flashier colors have never been my thing when it comes to the Wrangler. I you know, one of my friends bought a uh like a really snazzy looking red one. Looks awesome. I really like it. And like, yeah, you know, that's that's cool. Um, and they're like, what would you get? I'm like, well, I would probably get like a gray one or like that khaki one or the black one or even the green one I think looks good, you know? And, um, so, you know, I'm more of just like, give me the, like the Pentastar V6. That's fine. It's kind of an old dated, you know, powertrain at this point, if you're going to spend the money that a Wrangler currently commands with chips and inflation and all that good stuff. But I kind of like my Wrangler simple, you know, I just, to me, they're like outdoorsy vehicles, not hot rods. And, you know, I kind of like understated the better. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Maybe I can, I can try it out and my mind will change. So we'll see. But in the recon edition, obviously, I mean, geez, yeah, I mean, you're, that's even layering it on even more two scoopfuls of, uh, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, I've got the, uh, the snow tires I'm about to put on my Wrangler, my 2011 yep. Wrangler Sport sitting next to the Wranglers outside in the driveway. So I've got my little Wrangler and then this big, enormous 392 XR. And I keep putting the snow tires next to the wheels and tires on both of them to take photos for size comparison. And these things, you know, they're in 225, 75R16s or something like that. Next to these huge 315s on the Extreme Recon, they look like they're off of a Willys or something like that. It's oh, amazing nice. how dainty they look. And they're pretty knobby all-terrain snow tires too. Like they're they're actually, for what they are, quite aggressive. And then you put them next to something that actually <laughs> is meant to be aggressive. And it's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> so and what year is your Wrangler again? 2011. So it's the last year. Okay. Yeah. Last year of the old terrible 3.8 liter V6. Nah, that's not so bad. Another engine that I actually drove at one point, uh, but not the V8. I feel like we're playing bingo here. Um, cool. You want to tee that up? You're going to be reading more about Byron's winter tire adventure in the coming months. Um, what, uh, what are you doing with these tires? What, uh, you know, what's going on here? So this is a brand new uh, winter all-terrain tire that Nokian launched uh, cool. uh, on the day we are recording this. In fact, it is just now public and it is called the Outpost series. This is the Outpost AT for all-terrain, and it is a genuine knobby 
light truck slash SUV all-terrain tire design for off-road. You know, heavy-duty sidewalls, heavy-duty tread protection, all the good stuff. We'll detail it all in an intro post here that's going to go up before the end of the week, we're hoping. And uh, they are the real deal, and they are three-peak snow-rated tires. The Nokian, you know, they're from Finland. They know a thing or two about snow there. Some of their mainstream tires are kind of known as being just, you know, good value for money. They're not, you know, necessarily like the best of the best in any of their segments. But when it comes to snow tires... They are some of the best, and especially for the money. So we're uh, we're gonna play around with these a little bit. We've got them on a few of our uh, long term test vehicles right now too. We're we're having some fun with Nokians and snow tires here and there, and it's uh it's, it hopefully will be very informative, and we'll get some uh, good opportunities to educate our readers and listeners about the benefits of winter tires and snow tires, even in climates where you may not believe you need them. So. Sounds good. I think uh, I can't wait to read that. I think, uh, hey, 2011 Jeep Wrangler. I'm always a fan of getting more of that vehicle on Autoblog. So, hey, you know, makes a lot of sense. Cool. Uh, So we have a Spend My Money update this week. Uh, Let me call it up here. From Jason. This was just in our last episode. Uh, Just listened to the podcast. Thanks so much. You two read my mind and I appreciate your thoughts. So he's going to flip the GX. That was sort of the the piece of the uh, the question about what to do with. Uh, he's going to flip that in the coming months and continue searching for the best XJ that he can find sub $5,800. His son just bought his first car, one that was mentioned on the podcast as a possible next collectible. This is my vote. The 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee, Jeep Grand Cherokee 4 liter. And there is a pick attached. Um, so, hey, glad we could help. Uh, I would say... I will reinforce this. I think that generation of Grand Cherokee is going to uh, find status among the collector community. I think it's just starting to reach that, like, you know, aged status where, you know, people are going to look at it beyond just like an old junky crossover. You know, I think people are going to start to really appreciate some of the styling elements. That was actually a different time period, if you will, for the Grand Cherokee. So, um, you know, it, it was really different than any Grand Cherokee before or after, frankly, and I like it. Um, you still see a bunch of them on the road around here in Michigan. And yeah, 5800 bucks. let us know what XJ you can come up with. So I don't know. Any thoughts there, Byron? I'm a fan of that generation too. In fact, we, we had that post we did a few weeks ago where we were talking about dumb car ideas that actually turned out to be cool. And that first generation Grand Cherokee SRT8 sticks in my head for that reason. Yes, forgot like, about that car. I mean, it, and, and, you know, that that's became a, I think I want to say it was like 2005 or six that it was introduced in that generation of the car. But it was one of those where, you know, it, it, it was the best, most complete, most holistically satisfying SRT vehicle that mm-hmm. was coming out of Mopar at all. It was better than Charger, it was better than the Magnum, and it was better than the 300. It was even better, honestly, than the first year of the Challenger. Like, you know, the first year of a Challenger, you couldn't even get a limited slip or differential in the SRT model. So it was open diff with a big engine, you know, big head, no thoughts. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, the, the Grand Cherokee really kind of proved that SRT could make a car that could do a lot of things very quickly that you didn't hate living with. And, uh, and the resale value on those is actually really, really strong. They're, um, they're hard to find cheap. We'll put it that way. Yeah, those really, uh, along with like the original lightning of that era, they really kind of captured sort of the zeitgeist of an untapped market of enthusiasts who were looking for 
sort of non-car but high performance vehicles you know and that one you know like you i that's i don't think i would probably get an srt one if i ever decided to go down that road for that generation of jeep but yeah i mean totally appreciated for what it was uh, i will say this the dodge magnum srt was definitely uh, i think maybe the most memorable of that generation of srts absolutely um, there's nothing like it so that's all the time we have this week. Send us your spend my money is the podcast at autoblog.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be safe out there. We'll see you next week.